Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash cultural stew. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Cultural Stew Podcast, coming to you from the Goat Factory Media Entertainment Studios. We are your cultural media recommendation podcast, giving you our take on what we think is worth carving your time out for, and also what we think you can pass on and maybe go cut that lawn instead. Warning, we use adult language, and there may be spoilers ahead. Hello and welcome to episode number nine for the week of April 8th. 2018. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. My name is Ron Herkins Jr. and I am here with my co-hosts. Anthony Carter. Valor Vidmar. Hello. How is everybody today? Good. All right. Good. I'm feeling a little achy and tired from my right. running, getting back up there, trying to get some miles in, but to make matters worse. You live in Rochester. We live in Rochester and the stupid winter does. We love happen. Rochester, but still. Winter doesn't want to leave up its grip. It just makes my everything achy. It snowed. It snowed, snowed, snowed yesterday, but it wasn't, uh, didn't stick really. Did it snow this morning for you? Oh, it did snow oh, yeah, I had a, I had a whiteout right in the middle of my run today. It was. Jason looked outside and went, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, what else do we have going on this week? We had spring break going on for the kids. Uh, yeah. Well, see, I, I'm. Lucky that I'm able to put Zoe into into uh, camp, so I put her into writers, <laughs> writers and books. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So she went there. Don't laugh. I said it earlier, and you thought I was saying writers and books, like they are reading as they're the on Lone top Ra- of horses. That would be, that would be the fun. Lone Ranger theme is going in the back of my anyway, head. Anyway, right I love writers and books. Writers and books. So uh, w a b dot org. Look it up. Anyway, they have awesome stuff for kids and for adults, and I take a lot of classes there. So I sent her there, and Harper, being in preschool, did not have break. So oh, she, so she had spring break, or she had she goes preschool. To school. Yeah, week. it was awesome. Well, she only goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday because I'm not so ready. So, what did you do with all your free time? <laughs> okay, so I I did go see uh, game night. Mm. 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 Spoiler, Which I she knew, didn't like it. Well, you said you went to see it twice. so I was Because like, the wife wanted to go see it, so I went back and saw it I again. know, and you really liked it, and you started laughing at mm-hmm. some of the stuff, and I laughed a couple times. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. On my movie score sheet for the year, it's still sitting at the third on the list. Her of face. the year? Face. Of the stuff that I've seen so far. Wow. Well, that's you. That makes sense. That wasn't condescending at I, all. <laughs> <laughs> I am just kidding. No, I... Um, you want to know something funny? I almost wore that exact same sweater today. I took it off before I came in because I'm like, I'm going to be really hot in the studio today. That'd be really today. funny. Yeah. The Georgia Death Rice sweatshirt um, that we both rode in a car for 17 hours together. Hmm. Um, anyway, other than that, I... What did I do? That was about... It. I watched movies with... Zoe, we watched of course Pursuit of Happiness together and uh, then we watched Aquila and the Bee 
but she really. Oh, that was on. I think I saw that on Netflix a couple years ago. We watched it. She loved it. The girls, both girls, loved it actually. Five and eight were cheering at the end. What'd you do? Let's see. Marnie and I celebrated my last spring break with just the two of us. Um, after this spring break, which ends today, it'll be me, Marnie, and Sebastian come June twenty first. So, yeah, so we have another little one coming. Uh, I did some writing. I'm a playwright in my not school teaching time, so I've been writing a play. You teach? Yes. I'm sorry. I thought you just went to school. I'm an idiot. What do you teach? I'm a teaching assistant at a special education school. Oh, that's. I'm sorry. That's right. And that's right, folks. This is episode nine. <laughs> We've been together for about we three months. We know each other now. so well. We know each other. What? Uh, how long have you been working on this particular play? Let's see. I had a dream, and I said, "Hey, that would be a good uh, play." I never written a play in about seventy years, so I said, "Okay." How many plays have you written? Like probably four or five. Impressive. They're really short, like little sketches. Have you ever had any, anybody like sit on stage and read them aloud? Yes. You have. Yes. How many? I wrote a book in college. So college You wrote a book in college? That was my part of my thesis was writing a book of plays and graduate. The Nutty and Profound. It's on Lulu, in case you're wondering. Um, I want to read it. I'll bring it in. Um, it's basically a series of sketches, short plays I wrote, and I had a reading. Cool. It was fun, kind of nerve-wracking. That's my, my goal, is to have people sit on stage and read my play. My goal is to get it on Broadway or off-Broadway or... Out of Rochester, but I mean, baby steps. I'm doing baby steps and just, I mean, honestly, truly, if they just sat on stage and read my words aloud, I think I would be fine. With a little that. fuzzy feeling inside, yeah. The cool thing is Rochester's become this little hubbub of places for some of those to actually make it to the off-Broadway and Broadway Correct. area. You know, we uh, was one last year that with the JCC Church, Church and State, State yeah. came out of here. We a lot t- of stuff at Jiva are premieres that go on to be. Off-Broadway. Off-Broadway stuff. We actually are. We do have a lot of theaters here. Yep. That people don't know about. And you did most of your stuff. Have you written or you just acted? That's not what I meant. Not just acted. Performed or... Performed. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Photographed. Uh, Up until a couple years ago, it was mostly performing and whether it be sound effects or projection design. I did a lot of the backstage stuff as well. When Um, did you start performing? That was actually, I started with performing. And then I, I meant started, what age? What age? Well, the first show I did was in 97, but that was with school. Doesn't tell me how old you are. 97 is... I don't know. Okay. Do that it. was my junior year. Okay. I'm just seeing if she can do that. Yeah, quick question for you. When did you start writing? I'm curious. Seven. Years old? Yeah. I actually have my first. I was eight. I have my first... Uh, the story. I have mine in a vault, and I mean a safe box locked away that no one will ever, ever, ever read. I let my my. I wrote an Indiana Jones story. Hmm. I have no clue what happened to it though. You wrote an Indiana Jones story. I did. I had this uh, skull that glow, glowed in the dark, and it revolved around that because I wanted to make it into a film, and so we made it. It was Indiana Jones and the Something Skull, not. Crystal Skull. It wasn't like anything was way before that. But yeah, it was like pretty cool. I bet it was like, better than the... <laughs> it probably yeah. was. We'll see. <laughs> what was the favorite performance? Do you have a favorite performance? That I've ever been in? Mm-hmm. Or top two? Uh, I really loved A New Brain. 
I performed in a new brain uh, a couple, geez, what was that? 2009, 2010, I think. Um, it was kind of special cause it, um, it deals with is it brain cancer and, uh, so yeah, it was one of my favorites. Played the doctor in there, but it was with a great cast. I was so. Mrs. Webb. Hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Emily Webb's mom. Anyone? Bueller. Emily Webb and Josh. Emily and Josh. Oh my lord. <laughs> Emily and Josh. No. Okay, still no one. Killing me here. And then there's. I I am probably the worst person to ask stuff about stuff like that because I even though I spend so much time around theater I know very little about theater. You got to give me more. And than I'm very that. honest about it. My wife is the one who could pull out names anywhere and tell who's and who's. But apparently Valerie's also stumped. No, it's not. It's because I my brain Emily doesn't function at George all. And who else? Guys, please. Oh, an hour town. My oh. mother's going to kill oh, I don't, me. Yeah, that was the one play I don't. I have a friend of mine who's obsessed with that, and she'll probably kill me, but I'm not really all... Are you kidding me? Up in the novel. When she, okay, the thing about when we don't really look at each other and she goes back and chooses a day that she can go back, she dies early in the plane. Sorry. Um, and she goes back, and they, she gets to choose a day, so she decides to choose a birthday. And then she realizes that nobody really looks at one another. Why don't, they, why don't we really look at an eyeball? Why don't we ever really look at one another? It's, it, I don't know. It made a huge impact on me. Our town made a huge impact on me. I think if it didn't, then something is wrong with your heart. I wanted it to, it just didn't. I've never seen Sorry. it, so I can't make a judgment on it. You can read it. It's really good. I'll just send you that excerpt. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, that wraps up the uh, what the hell did we do this week? <laughs> <laughs> On today's docket, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of news that we care about, particularly a film that has been stewing for about 20 years, <laughs> and it's finally got a trailer. I am really excited for this film. And let's see, our re- recommendation list today, we got A Quiet Place, Night Manager, and The Last Tycoon. We're going to stew about some words that Mr. Spielberg said. Uh, We alluded to it last week. We're going to go into a little bit depth, and that's going to roll right into Pursuit of Happiness. So From 2009. From 2009, yes. So first, on with the news. So possibly the biggest news that came out of this week is the Terry Gilliam-backed and directed Don Quixote trailer finally came out with Jonathan Price and Adam Driver as uh, the Man of La Mancha and uh, Sancho. Mm-hmm. Um, La Man- the Man of La Mancha is one of my favorite stories, and I've been waiting for this film just because Terry Gilliam was behind it, and here we are. We finally got a trailer this week. Um, I'm just going to play a quick clip from it because I just cool. am excited for it. Oh, I see the love light in your eyes. <laughs> Don Quixote de la Mancha. Come to restore the lost age of chivalry. Well, I wrote that. Blasphemer. A hand of our God in heaven wrote me. Can I read? (laughs) The peasant like you cannot read. I will sound the words, and you can look at the pictures. So this is actually titled The Man Who Killed the Man of La Mancha. And Jonathan Price, uh, it's... 
go out and look at the video and it makes a lot more sense what happens. But basically, uh, Jonathan Price is riding a horse. He hits his head on a windmill and it is him thinking he's Don Quixote and he's actually it's being taken place in modern time. And he keeps thinking he's back in the older time. And Adam Driver is in the modern time and he keeps thinking he's Sancho. And so he keeps making fun of Adam Driver the whole clip. Um, the trailer kind of looks like it was just like a best of mix that's just been kind of thrown together. But again, this movie has been like 20 years and I'm just like finally able to say, Hey, the film is done. It's done with production. Hell, they've actually have a trailer for it. I still don't know when it's going to get released, but I'm excited for it. IMDB doesn't tell you. I didn't dig that far. And with a Terry Gilliam movie, just because you have a date doesn't mean that's when it's coming out. So no. until it's actually in the theater, <laughs> okay. I don't know it's out. Um, and for those who don't know who Terry Gilliam is, he was one of the original Monty Python troop members. So, And uh, he's directed Brazil. Yes. was probably one of his biggest. Oh, my gosh. I had to study Brazil in college. But he's a terrific director. It just takes a really long time to make a movie. But he does it well. So ho- I'm hoping that he hasn't lost his shine with this movie because it's – it looks like so long. it's him. It looks like it's him. So I'm not worried. Just yeah. I want to see it. And the fact that he brought in Adam Driver. I mean, <laughs> you know, we just talked about Lucky from a couple of weeks ago. And like, if you separate the Adam Driver that plays Kylo Ren in Star Wars, and you just focus on like that Adam Driver who can be a completely straight guy, but bring so much comedic presence to being a straight guy, then I think it's going to work really well. The other one uh, that came out this week um, was an expansion on the trailer that already came out, and this was with Michael B. Jordan, and this was Fahrenheit 451. Now, have any of you guys ever seen one of these bad things for real? We burned almost every physical book in the country. So by the time you guys grow up, there won't be one book left. Burn it. What's wrong, Montag? Your vitals have been off recently. Did firemen used to put out fires? That's a classic lie. Have you used your drops today? I want to know why we burn. We are not born equal. We must be made equal by the fire. And then we can be happy. Is that Woody? Michael. It's Michael Sheehan. Oh. Yeah. Michael Sheehan? She- Shannon. 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 I want to talk about Michael Shannon today a little bit, yeah. tiny bit today. Michael Shannon, who uh, that looks that sounds absolutely terrifying. It looks great. It does. It looks so good. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, the trailer. Um, and I just, oh, man, I am in love with Michael B. Jordan as an actor. He's he growing. just brings so much presence to anything that he's in, and when he can match up with Michael Shannon, who is just Intense. badass of all badasses in pretty much anything he's been in lately, um, it's pretty intense. He cool. was in Shape of Water. You just gave me a quizzical look there. No, I I know. I was making sure that I was. Did you hear about Creed 2 coming out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creed 2? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it's, he's going to be facing off against. Um, I know who you're talking oh, about. The Russian son. You're kidding. The yeah. Russian? The mm. Russian. Um, Our guy? Dolph Lundgren's son. <laughs> son. Okay. Yeah. And did you, uh, are you talking about Russell? I was just about to. Okay, cool. And then uh, 
an interesting thing that also happened this week was Russell Crowe's Art of Divorce auction happened yesterday. So he, on his birthday, his wedding date, and now it's his divorce auction date. He basically is selling off everything he owns that had to deal with something or another. So from motorcycles to horses that were used in Gladiator to a chariot uh, to the actual armor to even the jock strap that he wore during uh, Cinderella Man. Is it because he owned, he owes that much money? No, I, this is him just getting rid of. He, he's, deva- he's divorcing from Danny, and they're just getting rid of everything. And it's just there is a funny um, interview that was done with an Australia station on Friday, and I, th- I swear he's drunk <laughs> giving this interview. No way! So it's hilarious. And uh, but he goes around and just tours it for like ten minutes, like going through like all these different things. But he's like. He's right on with like when he talks about an item and, you know, like the violin from Master and Commander, the full getup from Master and Commander, all that stuff was for sale and for auction. But it's now over, but it was done through Sotheby's yesterday. I just found it interesting that if I had money, I would probably be getting a couple of those. But you had to have money. What would I buy? Uh It would be a toss up between the Master and Commander uniform or the Gladiator uniform. I'm surprised the studio didn't want them back. Like I'm sure he bought them from the studio get that stuff and most of it was gifts from the studio really yeah i can't believe planet hollywood didn't net that up i'm joking that's a joke that was a joke is planet hollywood even still yeah they're niagara falls oh yeah okay their food still sucks it does (laughs) they do sorry they will not be getting a sponsorship (laughs) from planet hollywood anytime soon they is it planet hollywood or is it planet hollywood yeah hard rock that had I know, but one of them had like a, um, a fantastic. It was um, it was a Captain Crunch uh, outside, like a crusted uh, chicken nuggets or chicken plain. And no one had that. No, it was delicious. Actually, they don't. It's no longer. It's it was actually delicious. I don't like fried chicken. Oh, so. speaking of Captain Crunch, yes. The other news that I had this week, and I think. Anthony will find this uh, interesting, is a new shop just opened up in town called Pop Rock. Pop, something, yeah, yeah. Pop two, Rock. Three wrestlers. They are basically serve coffee, cereal. Why the hell would I would not be interested in this? Because it has to deal with superheroes. <laughs> but they sell cereal, coffee. They have comic books and a whole bunch of like other stuff there. And the guys that are behind it were all professional former professional wrestlers. wrestlers. That's why... Because Anthony's a wrestler guy. And tonight is WrestleMania 34. So, Did you watch that show about the women wrestlers called... Loved Glow? It. Glow. Yeah, yes. I had friends that loved it. It was good. Mark Maron's role in that was phenomenal. I was like, okay, he can act. <laughs> <laughs> What's... Oh, it's Pop... Pop Rock. Pop Rock. Yeah, it opened up on uh, 33... 336 East Ave, I think, down here. I'll be visiting. That's yeah, cool. That was, I was going to, I'm like, hey, we got to get together and go down there and check it out. Yes. I thought it would be a pretty cool place. Y-E-S. And fun. they have like a full fridge full of energy <laughs> drinks. That'd be fun. Yeah. But like, oh yeah, throw in like strawberries and everything. They have like full on bar to throw on stuff on top of your cereal and any kind of cereal you can think of. I think of. that sounds awesome. Oh. Just because it has superheroes in it doesn't mean I would not be interested. You're typecasting. Then what do we know? 
folks out there for a poll. Am I actually typecasting or am I speaking the truth? I don't. I have been watching. I just want to say I have been watching superhero movies. Have you guys been watching any of the movies that I've, except for that one that you guys hated? We don't hate anything. We just don't No, you like. did not like the movie I had you watch. Can you explain which one? Yes, it was the long one. <laughs> oh, oh City of Z? Thank you. That We don't hate well, it. It's the just... thing is, it was loaded with people that I like would have enjoyed. Right. But it just didn't do anything. It was like in the top 10 list of like lots of people this year. Mm. I liked it a lot. But anyway, moving on. Any other news? Anything? You got anything? Well, Solo, a Star Wars story, is premiering at the Cannes Film Festival of all places. Is it Cannes or Can? Cannes. Let's be right. It's Cannes. Cannes is American thing. And no, Con. Cannes. No. Is it Cannes? Cannes. The S is not silent. Can. No. Cannes. Cons. Got it. Ramming with Hans. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hans will be at Cannes. <laughs> Okay, go but ahead. I fear that's kind of the weirdest place ever to premiere a Star Wars film, but, you know, whatever, whatever. It's kind of been happening, though, with yeah. the last couple. They've kind of been taking more action films and putting them there, which is strange. really strange to me. But also Netflix but, is pulling their... their. Well, Netflix is pulling their stuff because they're not wanted there. Right. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that later. But, uh, yeah. They're con- not wanted there? Cons has a thing where yeah. when your film premieres there, they want you to make a have your film screened in French theaters too. And oh. a lot of films don't want to do that because you're paying extra money for subtitles. And I always wanted to go there. Then I realized the average person speaks English. can't go. Yeah, you can. You can go. You can go? You can go. For that money. To get to go. Too much money. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yet. But right. that's my news. That's what I was thinking about. Cool. Uh, you got any news there, Valor? Well, this ties into me later. But, um, I found out two nights ago, or was it last night, that there is actually, I'm going to be talking about Night Manager, and uh, the Night Manager is having a season two. I'm super excited, and I sent it to my friend who, my friend Leslie in uh, Minneapolis actually was the one that said, watch this show, and uh, she loved it, and then I sent her this uh, saying that there's going to be a season two, and she said it made her night, so. Nice. And you guys have not seen it? Not no, yet. no, no. Okay, I'm telling you, it's good. Well, that's why we do this because we get recommendations. And yes, I watch about 15 things that you won't watch. You'll watch about 15 things I don't watch. <laughs> and somewhere there'll be a crossover there that says, "Hey, maybe these are worth watching." All right, cool. All right, well, that wraps up our news. And uh, first up, we're going to go with the last tycoon. I want to start doing what MGM's doing. They're the only shop in town making any money. It's my movie, Pat. We make a product, Monroe. There has to be someone to buy it. I have great stories. Got one about this band leader who's I'm going to... I'm excited to hear it. After you've graduated. So, this week, with my week off, I was watching The Last Tycoon. Finally got to see it. Uh, that came out in 2016. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's F. Scott Fitzgerald's last novel. He died before finishing it, so a lot of people got their hands in there and helped live it on, move it on with his spirit. Um, the show stars Matt Bomer from White Collar. We have Kelsey Grammer from Frasier. And Lily Collins. She's been in a lot of things here and there. So, And Rosemary DeWitt plays Kelsey Grammer's wife. 
Now, the story is basically centering around Hollywood in the 1930s. Uh, it's about a wonderkind or a, a fantastic producer who is struggling with his mentor, the studio head, the whole time. It's a interesting how can I say the Niger scene is kind of boring. It's an amazing look at how the studio <laughs> systems in Hollywood used to be. So how there's a lot of power play behind the scenes with producers, how actors were shifted and morphed into what the studio wanted them to be and how our history of Hollywood grew from simple beginnings to bigger beginnings. Again, this story is um, full of deceit and dishonesty as well as love and hope. And I think a lot of people would like it. Kelsey Grammer plays against type. I'm used to seeing him being happy and smug, but here he's actually volatile. And he was in an uh, X-Men Last Stand, actually, and he was more gentle. Oh my God. He played the Beast. Did he really? He did. Kelsey Grammer? Yes, he looks like the Beast sometimes. But oh. um, imagine him with face paint colored blue and fur. And But yeah, Insane. Kelsey played, I think, against type in this series of 10 episodes, and it was quite entertaining to watch. Seeing him just explode just the anger in his face when he's used to being soft-spoken um i don't know it just i find it very interesting and remarkable he's actually kelsey grammar's he's also in another show where he is actually insane and crazy and mean anyone not i'll get that okay mm. did you like it the uh show you did i did like it yes ron thoughts i haven't seen it I, it keeps taunting me on Amazon Prime it, to like select it, it, and I just haven't chose it yet. I would try one episode. I mean, Grace, my wife, said, hey, this is about filmmaking. You should watch it. And I'm like, okay, what time period? Oh, the 1930s and 40s. when they. I mean, my wife and I saw Hell Caesar in the theater. So she said, if you like Hell Caesar, which I didn't like Hell Caesar, but it was entertaining. But she said, if you like that, you may like this. This is better. So Hell Caesar could have been so much better. It could have been. It really could have been. So... From having that disaster to watching the Amazon series, I was impressed by the Amazon series. And if it were so simple, I guess. But uh, I don't know. They had a lot of good actors in Hell Caesar. It just didn't come together the way I wanted to. But we're not talking about that. Um, Last Tycoon, read the book first, then saw the series. Very good. Who created the series? This was by a guy named Billy Ray. So... He's not done a lot, a lot. I mean, nothing I really knew, so I, just, I didn't mention it, but... Hopefully it's not achy, breaky heart, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I also like the fact that this series ended and it ended. There's no season two, which I was worried about. I was worried about it saying, hey, season one's over. Let's full-on limited series, so yes. what you get is what you get. Right, and I love that. I like Americans saying, we're done, moving on. Um, they shot this in 4K, 6K, one of those higher HD resolutions. But I thought it was film watching it, which goes back to Ron saying the higher the resolution, the more you can't tell. Um, that's not on film. I just think everything, all the characters come to life, even the minor characters. They all have a story to tell, and it balances. I loved it a lot, and I recommend it. I mean, I would watch it any time, but maybe some people who have nothing to do on a rainy day could sit down and watch it and still enjoy it. Did you already tell me uh, or say how long the episodes were? About an hour or so. Yeah, an hour, okay. I think if it's a well-told story, an hour is perfect. Yes. Like 45 minutes. Like that. the stuff that are translated over from TV that are like 45, 46 minutes always seem just too short to tell like the, the right amount per episode. My mentor Mario and I have this debate where we say that TV is 
the sitcom is 22 minutes without the commercials mm-hmm. and a you know drama usually is 44 45 minutes without commercials so this i like streaming a lot because we don't have commercials but it's their tongue and they're like mini movies like house of cards they're like mini movies uh sherlock same thing so if you can tell a story without having that commercial act break then you're all good and well you also take a, a story that you know, at 45 minutes is told over 20 episodes right. into an hour episode that's told over 8 to 12. Right. So you get a stronger, you know, it makes that streaming or that binging experience flow better. Right. And you don't have those awkward, like, cut for commercial moments that keep popping up that, you know, you well, have a nice flow and all of a sudden yeah. it's like cut. Oh, that's where the commercial was. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Uh, when I was in high school, we had a... Uh, a club called the Drama Video Club, which has now blossomed to something bigger than what it was when we started it originally. But DVC started making, you know, TV shows. We made The Guardian, which was a spoof on Buffy. And we made a show called The Editorial, which was based on Alec McBeal. And we actually would sit there writing. We wrote six episode series, like the British, because British know how to end things after one season. Yes. But um, we purposely had to plan things so there were breaks. And then we said, we don't want those. So our shows fl- flowed seamlessly without the commercial breaks. But there was a time when Mario would say, Mario Sebastiano, don't get mad at me, plugging you, would say, we have to keep people watching. So we ended at this point, but make sure it's entertaining enough where they want to keep watching after the, the click. And we did that. And we were in high school. And That's cool. It's something you learn, something you know. And I still do it to this day when I write sitcom specs and pilots. It's just you have to find that moment and in streaming we don't have that we just keep flowing and it moves and then when it's over it's over and we go to the next episode so that's my thought awesome and again your recommendation is watch it please watch it please Ooh, even with that. if you didn't like hell caesar watch this and if you like hell caesar you can still watch this hell caesar hell 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 caesar i'm just i'm just being funny yeah. oh well, I had the awesome opportunity to go and see A Quiet Place. Oh, I'm so jealous. Who are we if we can't protect them? We have to protect them. So, <laughs> I thought this movie was awesome. Um, did you see it by yourself? Went, um, my wife wanted to go, so we kept playing the game of like, because I wanted to movie pass it, I didn't want to like do it. And so I'm like, oh, there's a seven o'clock showing, it's almost sold out. And then all of a sudden I walk, woke up at, got into work and it's like, oh, now there's a 7.30 showing. Oh, that's almost sold out. And <laughs> then like two o'clock, three o'clock, she's coming home from work and she's like, there's a 7.45 showing. So I'm like, okay. And it was almost sold out. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is not going to be fun. And so I raced there after work. And luckily, I got like two of the last seats in the back. So I wasn't like shoved off to the side because I like watching things straight on. Um, so she she really wanted to go and see it. And so I'm like, I owed it to her to like, okay. Or else I would have gone to like the 7 o'clock showing because there were still like, a, there were single seats. You can find single seats all uh, over the place. Mm-hmm. You can never find two seats together. Um I love this movie. Um, this was John uh, Krasinski, um, his third third featured film, I believe, and his first one with his wife, Emily Blunt. Um, and I'll get a little bit more into that in a minute because I think that played a very pivotal 
role in how this film played out. Um, this was <sighs> phenomenal is pretty much the only word I can come up with right now. It was so different than a lot of films. And it, the thing that kept sticking out to me was the lack of sound. This whole premise of this film was you have to be silent or else these creatures will attack you and kill you. And so it's this family that has grown up and you you come into their life uh, 90-ish days after the attack happens. And Desolate Town also filmed in Little Falls, New York. So ah. it was a local production here. And there's nobody else around. You don't see anybody else around. And it opens up with them uh, going into a store and trying to get supplies and just the little things of how quiet they are trying to like get the pills to turn the pills around because their one kid is sick. And so they're trying to get something for the kid. And then you have one of the daughter or one of the children, the daughter um, played by Millicent Simmons is actually deaf. And so every time they cut to her, it's complete silence. So outside of her, you hear, I want to say silence, but you still hear like the normal things. You hear like a little bit of a rustle. You hear, mm-hmm. you know, people breathing. But every time it cuts to her, you hear nothing. And so she is a very strong, pivotal character throughout the whole film. And it opens up with them going through this and the little son, the youngest son tries to get a rocket, uh, uh, like a NASA spaceship off the, the thing. And he knocks it down and the, the deaf girl comes and actually catches it before it hits the ground. And it sets up the tension of how you have to be quiet in this environment. And that sets up what happens about five minutes later when, spoiler alert, um, the little kid uh, who snuck the the NASA airplane thing out of the store turns it on. You see this in the trailer, so it's not too much of a spoiler. And, well... Within a couple seconds, he is swept off before John Krasinski, that name, um, can reach his kid, and the kid is gone. And then it cuts to basically 300 days later, and them on their farm and how they've been living. You see the rows of sand that they have to walk on to make everything silent. And to tell a story that has almost no dialogue Uh, the dialogue you hear in that trailer is pretty much the extent of the dialogue there's another scene where um, john and emily and i think is one of the most powerful scenes is she walks down to the basement with john and she has her headphones in and everything's silent you can hear the creaks of them walking but like they have everything painted on the stairs so you have to walk here you have to walk here you have to walk here to stop the creaking and she pulls out one of the headphones and she hands it to him and they start, you know, he's listening to the same music and she's listening to the same music. All of a sudden the music is so loud and you're like, holy crap, it has been so quiet in this theater for so long that like just the introduction of music and that was pretty much one of the first spots where like music started being used, but it was actually like a old 70s song. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't. But it was the touching moment between husband and wife, and now they're expecting another child. It's like, how are they going to bring this child into this world? And it's been about them setting up their basement to soundproof it so that they can go through everything. Tom and Katie know how to do that. 
What? Tom and Katie did that. Tom and Katie. Come on, people. Scientology. Cruise and Holmes? Yeah. They soundproof their silent birth. You have to have silent birth. They don't want you making any noise. You can't make any noise. Whatever. I just want to throw that in. Sorry. Um, birth. But there is, you know, you have... You have on-screen love match things that happen all the time, but for some reason there was just something that clicked that was like, those are, these are actually like two people that physically love each other, and it just it brought it in closer. But it was just I kept constantly reminded of just the lack of sound, the lack of dialogue, and just like little things were amplified so much. Um, my one con of the whole movie was they showed the creatures too soon. I wish they would have held off and shown the, the, the creatures until almost all the way to the end. Um, but I don't know how they would have gone around uh, a couple of the scenes. Um, but on Rotten Tomatoes right now, I mean, this is getting a 97%. It's just, it's good. And I, I won't even classify it as a horror movie. Really? Because even, not for me, it, it's more of like the, like, Oh, there's a nail on the stair. And they set it up by like 10 minutes earlier. And oh. you're like, mm-hmm. so in Suspense. the back of your mind, you're just like, oh, oh God, who's going to step on it? Is it going to be the little girl? Is it going to be John coming down to the stairs? That's cool. And I'm not going to say who it ends up being, but it's just like the point at when it happens, you're like, and it's just like, it hurt like physically. I'm like, <gasps> and you couldn't say anything because you're like, because the whole time everything all the suspense is being built up and you're like you know you can't make a sound so and it starts working on you mentally and physically because you're like you don't want to make a sound because the person next to you is being quiet and they're being quiet and like nobody was you couldn't hear popcorn being eaten that's what i was wondering about the um, theater my how quiet it was in there I, I what i would say and this is was the downfall of the theater we went to is the walls were really thin so Anytime it was a quiet moment, you hear everything from the other theaters. Mm. Either go and see it early in the morning before everybody else can see it or go find it someplace where you can figure out what other things are being shown next to it so that you don't get distracted. This is going to be one that when you bring it home is going to be amazing. Did you you talk to the theater people? I would have talked to the theater people. There's nothing they can do about it. It was an added show. And it was stuck in between it with it might have even like like Black Panther or something was on the oh, side. But it, it doesn't matter. It could have been like Beethoven's concerto next door. It was so quiet in the theater and the movie was so quiet that the little amount of noise, like the person getting up to going to the bathroom, is You're like, like ten times as loud as what it would be during a normal movie. Um I think the use of sound was brilliant. I that's cool. I it was John, by far John. You know, I haven't seen the other two, but I'm like he, this was his best film. And right now, on my personal rating score, this is the best film that's been put out this year. And it's not like horror guts and like that. It for me, it was a story about a family trying to live with something that is it's debilitating. You're like you're trying to raise your family and protect your family, and that's what this is about. Is how far will a family go to protect? the ones that they love. Is this just their town or is this the world or is this it's the whole world, the whole world yeah. dramatic thriller. Yeah. And so did they just focus on these? Do we, did it's you just see their family? You see nobody else you except this family. Nobody else. Yeah. You have, there's a scene where at the beginning where when they get back to their farm after 300 days later, John goes up to the top of um, 
the the barn and lights a fire and then in off in the distance at sunrise you start seeing the other fires so you know there's other people out there but it was just such a great use of like you don't add anybody else in it's just this family dealing with a very isolated incident so you're not it's not like a godzilla type movie where you're dealing with hundreds of people that are all scared at the same thing you just see the remnants of this is a life that people are trying to live and get by, and now they have to bring a child into it. I don't want details, but do you see the birth of the child? No, but you know what happens. Oh. Like, I mean, you see the water breaking. You see the blood. I mean, but you see – I mean, what, that's not what he meant. You go through that with them, the birth of the child, without trying to make any noise? Oh, you go up to the point where – it's like we don't want to tell – we want to tell spoilers, but we don't want well, to tell spoilers. I haven't spoilers. seen it, so don't spoil it. I'm just wondering. You do see that. If I say what happens, it will kind of spoil what happened. But you do see – what I'm saying is you do go through that whole thing with them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You saw in the trailer is the, is the scene with her in the bathtub. Oh, I didn't really know what that was. Well, that's her getting yeah. ready to try to mitigate having birth while one of the creatures is now finding them. Great. Great. Well, but, I am um, super excited. It is highly recommended, but I, I like I repeat, if you can find a way to watch it in the quietest environment possible, it'll make it even better. Um, but I, w- I was impressed that a full, full house was that quiet. It was very um, subliminal. Very cinematic experience. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, and it's in, in in this day and age, you don't have very few. you know very few things. You know, it's all about making the best sound effects. And I, 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 a lot of credit to the sound editor because even when it's that small and that light, you have to make sure like the, everything right. sounds realistic. So it's the little bit of like the little bit of opening up a piece of paper and you hear the little bit of a rustle or the little going on a carpet. You hear things that you wouldn't normally hear because the music is blaring or somebody's talking. But the fact that nobody is talking and when they finally do have a chance to talk, it's one of like a pivotal point in the hmm. that sets up the ending. So, so that's 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 quiet place. Totally, totally go see it. And up I next, will. a night manager. The night manager. When a continent enters into chaos, that's when opportunities open up. Assassinations, fake terror plots, even the odd coup. spectator sport let's get on with it shall we all right the night manager it's actually um it's from 2016 uh it's on amazon prime right now it originally was on amc and uh, bbc so you're gonna laugh uh my niece has been talking about tom hiddleston hiddleston sure is that how you say his name sounds about right Okay. For years, and I believe he is... Loki. Okay. I was going to say Loki. I did not want to be wrong. So um, she's been talking about Loki for a long time. And I just was like, "Mm, eh, okay, whatever. So I watched uh, The Night Manager and loved it. So basically, Tom Middleston is Jonathan Pine, uh, who's actually... He's a... mm, He's a former British soldier, but he turns into a manager of like a luxury hotel in Cairo 
So we start there. And in some strange, bizarre, you'll have to watch it, uh, turn to events, he ends up in the possession of, of course, confidential documents about, you know, illegal weapon trades, um, which he ends up turning over to the, to in the International Enforcement Agency in London. Not that that really matters, but he turns it over uh, in order to basically get out of there because they know who he is. He was He's pretty predominant in the hotel. He goes to Switzerland, which is basically, it's really a gorgeously shot show. Um, but then he's recruited by the intelligence officer to investigate Richard Onslow Roper, who is played by Hugh Laurie, which I believe is who you heard in um, the trailer. Who doesn't love Hugh? I mean, this man... Uh, we're not, yeah, we're not talking about nice Hugh Laurie the doctor. We're not doing that. He's pretty evil. Uh, Did you ever hear how he got that role sidebar no. of House? No. Uh, there was a story about um, them auditioning, and it was something about his accent. And they were saying they they couldn't take anybody from English because they can't pull off an American accent. And he just went in there and he didn't even like say anything about his accent. Yes. Incredible. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm from England. <laughs> oh, I had the biggest crush on him uh, during that show and onward. Anyway, he's a corrupt businessman, of course, with ties with the secret arms trade, of course. So Pine has to basically get in with the group and um, spy on them for. Ah, uh, the intelligence agency, and then if, you know, he's of course in, attracted to Roper's girlfriend. We have to go through the whole that whole thing, but uh, it's a very interesting uh, mini, call it like a cat and mouse type show. It's only six episodes; they are an hour long. Uh, it's beautifully shot. This this was nominated for. 36 awards and it won 11, um, including, well, it says 10 here. I have 10, but it says 11. We'll figure that out. But uh, it won two Emmys and three Golden Globes, three BAFTAs. Um, but it's funny because I would really like to see Hiddleston as the next Bond, but I don't think he's going to be. Why is that? Why would I like to see him as the next Bond? Right. Just because I've, after watching the show, he just comes across as very Bond-like. Okay. But um, that's all. I, I mean, I know that there are other people up for it, and he has a very slim chance of, of getting it. But um, the shots are beautiful. The, I, the script, I thought the script was very sharp. I thought it kept me going. I lost sleep over the show. Because I kept watching it and I couldn't turn it off, which was an issue. Jason kept waking up thinking, are you going to go to sleep at some point? Um, the fact that there's only six episodes saved me. Um, great suspense. It's actually um, based off of a spy novel that was written, I think, 20 years ago. And the um, author, give me a moment to tell you his name. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say it wrong. Jean Le, Le Car? Oh. 
Do you know John Lacar? Name sounds familiar to me. Okay. Um, he's in episode four, but you barely see him. Uh, but you can actually read it or listen to it. The Night Manager, which is actually in the John Lacar Value Collection on Audible. dot com. So, if you want to listen to that, they also have a, mo- a show tie-in that's especially just for the the people that watch the show on Audible. That you can watch that as you can listen to that as well. So, I recommend it. It's beautiful. It keeps moving. It's suspenseful. They portray <laughs> their characters perfectly. I did forget who they were. That's one of my things. As um, yeah, I just completely. Well, of course, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know him before. Tom, I'm a fan now. I've never seen him as Loki ever. So I guess I should probably wait. What? I've never seen him as Loki. You watched Avengers? Did you? Did you? Did I watch Avengers? I think that was one of the ones on our list for recommendation for you. I know, but I don't know if I watched it. Oh. You didn't watch the one where Hulk smashed Loki no. back and forth? Oh. I haven't seen that one. That's a good movie. It's funny. It's hilarious. Yeah, Los Santo. I have not seen that one. But, uh, of course, I'm a fan of Hugh Laurie and have been for a long time. He's actually uh, another show, which I should have had on here. I uh, apologize. I can actually mention that later next week. Besides House? Yeah. He's on a show. Um, dang it. That I, I mean, he used to be on, and he was popular with. Um, Get it up on your phone. Do it, do it. I've got something else on my phone. Oh, dude. I am to be it. But he, and I watched, <laughs> I watched that, I watched that one too. And I really enjoyed that one too, but not as much as I enjoyed this one. And I forgot to hit start. Yeah. I was going to. Tape today's show and I forgot to hit start. Anyway, so watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. I believe you can go to AMC and the BBC um, web. Uh, I know what you mean. Thank yeah. you. Give me the word. BBC.com streaming. My gosh. My brain. Sorry, I'm talking at it. Um, I good. Thank you. Um, I believe you can go on there and find it. But I really, really recommend it. It's awesome. six hours of your life. And yeah. you I don't you won't regret it. So I want to sidebar back to that the the Hugh Laurie thing because I thought it was hilarious and a little bit of clarification on it. So Brian Singer was the director of House. Right. And he was basically convinced that a British actor wouldn't pull off the American Doctor House. And so he stopped receiving he told his casting director do not receive anything from british people because a british person couldn't pull off a successful american accent and so hugh laurie sent in a audition tape from his bathroom of his hotel he wasn't shaved he was in a cruddy old shirt and sent it in and brian singer ended up hiring him on the spot because he couldn't tell that he was british wouldn't you research the actor first? And this explains why Henry Cavill was kind of not looked at for Superman because Brian Singer came on board and didn't want a British or Englishman playing Superman. I actually, I kind of appreciate when some directors will go off of what you can bring to the table instead of who you are, are. or what you've done. Right. Um, 
So I kind of like the going for the people that aren't like name recognition at that time. Correct. I found it. Yes. What was it? Okay. Uh, he's also on Chance, which is on Hulu. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a badass on that show. I enjoyed it. Because he was, he was known for coming before he came over was um, with Stephen Fry. Right. They used to have a comedy right. thing going back and forth. He is pretty funny. Uh, but he's also going to be on Catch, he's also going to do Catch-22. Mm. Just thought I'd throw that in there for you. But, uh, yeah, Chance, yeah, Hulu. It's on, on Hulu. Chance is kind of, it's is, not for everybody. Is Chance the one with Kevin Bacon? With Kevin Bacon? He's in something. I'm not sure. There's another one where maybe it's Last Chance. The one it's where Kevin not, Bacon is it's a not uh, great. It's not military that. guy that has to. No, it is not Kevin Bacon. This is not a Kevin well, Bacon one. That one that I'm thinking of is actually a really good film. This one's fun. This one's also actually episodes. I mean, this is actually, this has two seasons. Chance does. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. On that, there we're we go. gonna wrap up our recommendation list. Cool. We're gonna move on to the new or to the uh, stew, but first we're gonna take a break. So we will be right back. So, hey Valor, did you know Audible.com has many, many books for you to choose from over 180,000 books actually i do but i don't think tony does tony you don't know about audible i don't actually know it changed my life i'm not kidding i mean just because uh i am constantly on the go moving around trying to get this done to get this done and i can't sit down and read a book and it makes me tired i'm just gonna be honest but audible in my ears makes my days go faster it's fantastic and has channels, books. Yep. A lot of all professionally narrated, um, such as the most recent flick, Ready Player One. That was how I, I learned about um, audible.com mm. was actually one of my first signups was through Ready Player One. And that's narrated by Will Wheaton. That's something you can easily find over there. And if you want, do you know you can actually go to www.audibletrial.com slash cultural stew and get 30 days free and one credit. One credit. Which means you can get a book. And you can keep that book. You don't have to give it back after 30 days. Uh, one cool thing about Audible is that you can get a book. Let's say you get a book, you listen to it for 10 minutes, you're like, this is not working for me. This is not the book I want. You can return it and they will say, okay. And then you can get another book. It's pretty cool. They, they work with you really well. They have fantastic customer service. I have been with them for about two and a half almost three years hmm. and never had an issue with their customer service ever. And I could recommend so many books. I will just uh, say that I'm going to go Harry Potter. I know that you guys haven't read it, but Harry Potter, if you want to listen to it, Jim Dale does it spectacularly and there's just no one better. And so if you ever want to get into it, that's the way to do it. So where can we go? Audible.com. Audible.com and... Uh, com slash cultural stew. There you go. Boom. I think you should do it. I'm serious. 30 days free. I'll try. I One credit. Know. You should try it. Can't lose anything at I that. No, it's just I like reading my books. I know. It's really no, cool. 
I like reading my book too, but listening is also fantastic. My also my eight year old little one listens to Audible as well. Cool. So go to audibletrial.com slash cultural stew and pick out your book today. Do it. And welcome back. Today we have an interesting hot topic of stew. And uh, that's going to roll into our movie. I think we might be spending more time talking about the stew after our little break session here. So our stew, Anthony, turning it over to you. Okay, so our stew for today is, should feature films launched from streaming video on demand platforms be eligible for Oscars? Well, they were this year. And where is this coming from? Uh, Steven, Steven Spielberg. He had an interview on ITV with news editor Nina Nanar recently. Nina Nanar? Yes. Okay, just checking. Really damaged cinema though, do you, in, in a few years, and it continues. Well, no, I'm just saying that fewer and fewer filmmakers are going to struggle to raise money uh, or, or to, in order to compete in Sundance and possibly get one of the specialty labels to release their films theatrically, publicly. And more of them are going to let the, the SVOD uh, businesses uh, finance their films, maybe with the promise of a slight one-week you know, theatrical window to qualify them for awards as, as a movie. But in fact, once you commit to a television format, you're a TV movie. You, you, you certainly, if, if it's a good show, deserve an Emmy, but not an Oscar. So they shouldn't be nominated for an Oscar? I don't believe that films that are just get give, are given token qualifications in a couple of theaters for less than a week should be should qualify for, for the Academy Award nomination. Oh, So this is a loaded statement. There's a lot in here. Mm-hmm. So before we even delve into the Oscar part, there's a little thing that he kind of threw in there right at the beginning of them struggling to get, filmmakers struggling to get money to make films. Right. And it's not something I agree with. I don't think filmmakers should have to struggle. If you've got an important story to tell and somebody is willing to finance you and your story is good, boom, get it made. Right. Um, Do you know how many good stories are sitting in the bins of Hollywood producers because they didn't want to fund something, but yet they would rather fund something crappy? Or a commercial that they know. Like Boss Baby. (laughs) I knew that was coming. (laughs) As my daughter is home because Netflix put out a Boss series, baby TV series yeah. and she's watching it. It's awful. Here's so. the thing. What Ron okay. said is absolutely true. And being a filmmaker, it hurts me hearing him say that. But here's the thing. It is a struggle to get money for your films. Even small, short films that you have to pay your crew. You have to pay your, you know, you have to feed people. I shouldn't say pay crew because some crews do things out of the love of what they're doing. But most of the time, you need money to feed people because food is the power of well, Motivation. He, here's here's where I come in on this. All right. So when I was trying to pursue film, right. you know, I was looking at different avenues. I wanted to go in. I wanted to be a director. That was my ultimate goal. Right. There was a couple options to get there. There was um, being an editor or being a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know what? I really want to just get my foot in the door so that I can work alongside a director. So what I wanted to choose was to use my art background and become a storyboard artist and go through UCLA or, or NYU. The cost of going to UCLA in 1998 was, was it $20,000 a year? Yeah. So by the time you finish a four-year career, 
with a mediocre promise that in your senior year, you're going to get put into a temp program with one of the major studios. That's one of the bonuses about going to UCLA is you're tied there. You're walking out of there with anywhere between sixty dollars to $80,000 in debt, pushing upwards of $100,000 if you start working in all the camera gear that you had to buy while you were a student right. to make films. And so coming out of school as eighty dollars to $100,000, now it's probably pushing $150,000 in debt. You should you should automatically be struggling to go out and have your film made. No. I agree that you should have to fight as a filmmaker, but if you have a good story and the story can stand on its legs, then I think you should be able to, if somebody wants to fund it, fund well, it. Well, that's the, that's the foundation of cinema and even theater is that if you have a good story, people should hear it. But there's always, oh, I know him, I know her. I want to use them. And people who, like me and you, we have stories to tell, but they're not getting out there because... We don't know that many people. Our network is not that expansive. And I always said to myself, going to film school would put me in further debt than going to theater school. And at the end of the day, I felt like going to RIT, for example, would be me paying them to let me tell my stories when I could just take that same money and do it myself. I mean, yes, you have access to all that equipment, which is nice, and you get to rent it out of the cage without paying anything for it, but you're basically paying them to help you network and paying them to give you access. And... And uh, and times have changed. The way that Spielberg, and I'm I, you know Spielberg is one of my favorite directors. Right. I know he's not one of yours, but he is one of mine. How he got into filmmaking is completely different than how somebody today is. Getting you can't into do that filmmaking. these days. You, you can't, can't do. do what he did. If no. there's a wonderful documentary on HBO that is about Spielberg, and in there there's stories about him basically breaking into the Universal lot. Studio Lodio's lot and having a room and basically breaking in and. You know, setting up shop yeah. and getting used to there weren't, you know, there was dozens of directors at that time. Now there's hundreds, right. if not thousands of people out there vying to be directors and trying to get their story out. It's not as easy to break into the business. And most people don't. A lot of people that have good stories just don't have an opportunity to tell them. Right. And why can't we have a studio? I, I count the Amazon and Netflix. I consider them studios too. Because they have studios, physical studios spaces. Mm-hmm. So why can't we have them finance our... We still have to do the same blood and sweat and tears of pitching our story to them. They still have to hear our story. So what difference does it make if they're buying our story or if a studio like MGM or Universal is, is still getting the story told? It shouldn't matter who's financing it. It shouldn't matter That's how right. you execute your story. But you still have, you still have to have it played. I mean, it needs to be played. The filmmakers in games, I mean, the Oscars is a nice recognition. What I'm saying on mean? a film, on a big screen. We don't, I mean. You don't feel like that. My point of view on that is that I want my story shown and I don't care how it's shown. I want it made, realized, and then I want it seen. So, okay, do you care? Okay, here's the thing. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. Go ahead. I'm the classic interrupter. Here's the thing. Uh, the lover of movies and you love your movie and you just want it to be seen do you give a shit if it really gets an oscar or if it's sometimes nominated you for an don't oscar care. Sometimes then, then, you don't, then care don't worry about it, doesn't it. Matter. Yeah. Then, does it really matter what steven spielberg says that shouldn't be nominated for an he oscar has awards, so this this is where i come in with what oscar statement all right you have the beautiful cinematography of a, a movie like mudbound that was rightfully in the top three of right. all films that were made last year in terms of cinematography to discredit her film because I, I believe that was the the female cinematographer, right? Mm-hmm. 
to discredit her film and say it's not worthy of an award or attention of that level that you're automatically taking it off the table and say, no, you're too, you're, you're, you're not good enough to sit here. Did you, did they get an Emmy as well? No. doesn't matter to me. It's still a film. What I'm saying is uh, this is, if you're going to make a movie that you want to have played on the big screen and you want it to be something that the Academy looks at, it should not be something that you should you should not get an Emmy and an Oscar nomination at the same year. It should not. Why not? Because if, an if, Emmy is for television and an Oscar okay. is, for we'll fa- go on is for one for the, on the big screen. Do you know screen. that there is a musical category in the Grammys for cinema scores? And there's also a Broadway. So you can have a Grammy and you can have a Tony. You can have a Grammy. You can have an Oscar. There is crossover in almost every single award. Right. Okay. So I don't see why we should stop and say this is one of the best films that was made out there and rightfully so. And why why do that unless it's a elitist at- attitude of people saying, "Oh, we don't want we don't want things coming from these studios out there because we feel at the bottom of it, they feel like they're eating into these overall cinema quality, whether it's taking people out of the theater well, that is the cinema quality. That's the cinema. You're going to the cinema. That's an experience so, that can you don't. You know. I can I can have that same cinema quality in my house. Right. No. Yep. Yeah. People have come over rooms. to my house and watch a film and tell me you had just a good experience. Okay. People have movie rooms for that very reason. I spent the last oh ten years. How many people have movie rooms? I'm just saying. Some I know. Do. How much did you spend on your movie room? Enough to make it comfortable for that. If I have an option you know, to go to, I either. don't. Ha- I we don't. Have, I mean, I can't do that. All in all, all I'm saying is that I want to escape Steven my house. Needs to stop. I respect the man a lot, but when he said that, it kind of made me upset. It it was surprising to me coming from him because he is in the pack of directors with Scorsese and um, Zemeckis, Zemeckis, the, the guys that came up during the '70s and '80s, and Lucas that changed the way cinema is today. You right. know, literally Spielberg put his stamp on how we view the summer blockbuster. Um, and they made what theater is today. But they also inspired a whole bunch of kids growing up and people that are now directors and discrediting them for pursuing a way to tell their format or their film in the way that they want. I don't think he's discrediting them. He just says that they can't be nominated for an Oscar. That's the end game for a lot of people. Like even for me growing up, my end game was I want to be recognized by my peers in my field. That's what the Oscars is. It's not oh I Why have. Why can't one. be Emmys? Why can't it be the That's Emmys? TV and they don't have a best cinematography Are you not category. On TV? Is your film not on television? That's different. How is that not? How is that different, people? Now, when I went to film school, because I don't, I don't view Netflix as TV. No, yeah, I don't. It's on a physical TV, right. but I don't view it as TV. I do. It's on TV. Because you, you think it's on a physical TV, so therefore you're viewing it as TV. But they've also listened to what the Oscar rules are, and they've put these films out there into the theaters by Oscar standards. Right. So they are also films that have been previewed at the theater. Mudbound, right. Sick. Because they went out. Right. I didn't even know. Like when uh, so Sick, I only their, knew was in their the theater. end format that they're saying for Netflix and Amazon that are putting these things out is – yeah, they're going to go on our service. 
but we're going to play by the game and we're going to put them out in the theater. Mm-hmm. Which they and did. And so you're saying that because now that they're at the theater, they're still considered a TV. They put it out there, correct? They, it, it went out onto the, the theater. It went to the theater before it went onto the streaming. streaming. Okay. So would that be a film or would that be TV? What I'm saying is if it went out onto the big screen, then it can be nominated. Mm. All right. And what Spielberg is saying is no. He's saying there should that loophole, that one-week period should be eliminated and that those should be discredited because they are Netflix or Amazon shows. Manchester by the Sea was Amazon. Did it? But it, but was, it was in the theaters. I know. Was it Amazon or did Amazon it, just Amazon bought it? it. No. Oh, they bought it. Okay. Did yeah. You? And the same thing with Big Sick. I mean, right. they, they ended up buying I it. I didn't even know Big Sick was, I mean, I only knew it in theaters. Was it on? I mean, did it stream too? It, it was on Amazon, I think, a couple of weeks after, I think. Like yeah, it wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know how what the, the schedule on that was. was. So, okay. So when I was in film school, I went to University of Kansas and in film school, they just wanted to make films. And when I said I liked the Oscars, they practically laughed in my face. I almost feel, you know, silly saying, gosh, I'm a film person. I love film, but I love the Oscars because it almost most they would just heckle me like the Oscars are ridiculous you know, everybody says they're political, they're this, they're that, they're, you know, whatever. I grew up watching the Oscars, so I think they're fun. But a lot of film people are like, who gives a shit? Well, the thing is that... If I, they're on the Oscars. I've said it before that the Oscars are a gauge of seeing where the country is thinking, what it's on its radar, what they find important. But it is also, in a vain way, it's letting you know that your peers appreciate you or at least respect you in a more outwardly way. Like, there's closed room the discussions. Sex are the same thing. It's saying we like what you did here. It just at the end of the day, it's just odd to me that Spielberg came out against this at all, right? Because he's been one of the leading innovators of Hollywood. He's been on the cusp of like pushing Hollywood into accepting things that are a little bit outside of the norm up until like the last ten, fifteen years. Like this was the guy that helped uh, George Lucas's ILM Industrial Light and Magic get pushed to the level of bringing Jurassic Park and bringing dinosaurs that looked realistic to theater. The big screen. Um, and you can't and tell me that His best you, friend is George Lucas that was pushing for the digital When you age. were sitting in the movie theater, <clears throat> as I interrupt you, when you were sitting in the movie theater watching Jurassic Park as a kid, right? And that screen is huge and you can hear it. You're telling me that that's the same kind of experience that you have if you're sitting there as a kid watching it now on TV without the big cinematic thing that you have going on at your home? Is that the same type of experience? I don't watch it in a setting like that. I watch it in a setting that I've set up. But most people don't have that. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. The The point of our conversation here was him accepting films that are following the rules and then discrediting them because of where they are coming from. Right. They're being developed by Netflix and Amazon, two, pe- two studios that are starting to come up and say, hey, we want a piece of this cinematic pie, but they're being discredited because they are not universal. They're not MGM. They're so not why movies. do they want a piece of the cinematic pie? Why do they care? If it's really about the story, then why do they care? Because at the end of the day, they're still studios and studios always care about money. Right. They're not getting money? 
Not really, no. The extra notoriety, notoriety that would be the worst yeah. word, that comes with having an Oscar attached to anything that you do is huge when it comes to filmmaking. Yeah, it might be discredited by film buffs and film critics, but if you can throw, hey, you won an Oscar on this film, it, it lends credit to what you're doing. So you're saying Emmys are crap? No. I don't watch the Emmys. I don't listen to the Emmys. So I, I can't It's just make he's a big... saying that because they're from Netflix and... But Emmys, are, I mean, they they cross over onto all these stuff that's on... It's it, basically like him saying this. It's like saying that, say you recorded an album in your basement, right, with your own equipment, like here, you recorded an album, right? And say it was great. People in Rochester liked it and it got national level attention. But then he said, oh, because you did it in your basement... We don't want to count it as anything. It's basement is, what do you call that, um, grassroots. There's no, you didn't use a real studio space. You didn't use, you know, say Sony classic music. That's not what he's saying. It's kind of the same thing. No, he's saying, uh, was it played on the radio? Was it, was it sold as a record? Was it played? I mean, I don't know. But like, yeah, your song played on the radio too. And it got attention. And you're nominated for an Emmy. But he's saying, oh, you can't. Get at me because you didn't record in one of your studios. You didn't. He's not saying that. It's, it's kind of similar. He's not saying that it was. The origin you, of the film is what he's basing it on. Not about the. He, it's like he's proposing heavy studio intervention versus grassroots independent. Do you think he'd have a problem with Manchester on the Sea? Did he, did he have a problem with that? Do you think he had a problem with that one? Probably did. Probably did. Why? Well, Manchester on the Sea, I believe, was developed beforehand. Yeah. And it was only distributed by Amazon. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that that premiered at Sundance, I think. Yes. You can still get your movies seen. Where? Sundance is becoming a joke. Why can't you? Why can't it be seen on Netflix? Why can't it be seen on Netflix? It can be seen on Netflix. That's fine. But sometimes Netflix pushes the bar and says, we can tell stories too that are equal or better than what you see in studios. Studios are now all about making money, which they always have been. But now they want commercial vehicles, which is why we have the push of superhero and comic book. Those are guaranteed money makers, which is why they're doing them. It's kind of like one of those things where they say, if, um, if, you, if you're going into acting because you want to win an Oscar, then you're going in for the wrong reason. You go in because you love it. You either make a film because you love it or because you're pissed off because it's not going to get an Oscar. I mean, so it's ridiculous. That same vein. I, I still go back that the, the root of this issue is Spielberg and a group of people that do not like Netflix or Amazon as studios. They do not view them as a, a real studio that can put out real cinema. And what he is doing is, I, I think it's, wrong I think. he had an interview he's also, and he spoke his mind he's threatened that's all he did and he's i'm speaking threatened. my mind that's fine but you're what i'm saying is that you think he has that much power mm, yes in hollywood yeah he's threatened by the way which is why he said what he said that's if was mudbound, afraid. mudbound was nominated this year for an oscar right yes. so what's the problem he's saying that they should wants to change been. it yeah, that the the rule of them being able to take that and put it into theaters for a week and then being able to be nominated for an Oscar should be done away with. Okay, so why but don't you at get the root of at the root of that is their disdain for Netflix and Amazon. Their fear. Are you not worried 
that if this all happens, that we're all going to be sitting at home <clears throat> watching our movies instead of going to the movie theater? That's what I think it's going to happen, but it's not going to be because of Hollywood. It's going to be because the cinemas keep charging $14 for a thing of popcorn. Right. Don't buy popcorn. You don't even – you bring your stand well, in. Come on, come but on. see, if more people don't buy popcorn, guess what the price of popcorn goes up to? 20 bucks. That's where they get most of their, their, foot, their, money. Uh, their money from because the fees that they have to pay to actually screen one film is insane. Why not you bring it up when Spielberg actually mm. makes a difference and changes the rules? He's trying to. That's why he said what he said. I know. What I'm saying is get pissed when he does it. He's trying He hasn't to. done it. He's trying to. He's afraid. They're I'm, all afraid. I'm pissed because a person who has been an innovator for Hollywood for a long time is now standing in the way of innovation of a studio like Amazon or Netflix. I still don't understand. I, st- I mean, I'm, I guess I still don't understand because you're upset because it's not – because Netflix and Amazon is it not, not have, going to be nominated for an Academy it's not about Award. That. That's not. That's, you're, you're viewing it in the wrong way. In, that's that's what he's saying. But we're not. That's not the. That's not. That's not the heart of it. You're he, saying the heart of it is that he hates Netflix and Amazon, and he doesn't want them to make movies. Right. Because Netflix and Amazon have become a powerhouse, and they're you're going to be seeing more of their films in cinemas. But they're trying to push so that the stuff that came out. At Netflix, comes out the same day on uh, the theater because that is what they want. That's how they want to run their business. And Hollywood, traditional Hollywood, is fighting to say, no, we want our three-month window before they go on to video on demand or we want our six-month window before they come on TV and we want our one-year window or nine, is it nine months nine now? Nine months. Before they're allowed to come on Netflix and Amazon. But you have these new studios Netflix, Amazon, um, that are really pushing to make it same day because you have a group of people that no longer want to go to the cinemas. And it's for various reasons, whether they have 10 children that taking a family of, even for me, taking a family of four to the theater cost me over a hundred bucks. And I just, we just don't do it. So where do we watch 95% of our films in our living room? It costs you a hundred dollars. When you start adding in the uh, the food, yeah. Then don't buy the no, food. No, you can't say that. Yes, you the can. Ex- no. If you go to the movie to see the movie, then don't buy the food. That's the experience of going to theater. Is not food for me. Okay. It's seeing that's the movie. You. That's you. That's you. Okay. So this- There are many people that go and, you know, part of the experience of being a kid was getting that big tub of popcorn, getting your drinks, getting your candy, sitting there and everything. Now that same stuff costs you over a hundred bucks for a family of four. It is it is outrageous. So, but even if I take that away, it's still over fifty bucks for a family of four just to see a movie. That's mm-hmm. insane. So most of the time we wait until it comes out. I go. Then why and see are we not stuff. attacking the theaters for raising the prices? Because they're locked step with Hollywood. Yeah. Side note, um, a long time ago, there was a film called Ten Items or Less. I think Stars produced that, and Morgan Freeman's company produced it. Um, kind of a rare gem. But uh, they had the movie come out on Stars Network as well as come out in the theaters at the same exact time. That was a long time ago. That, thing, that was an experiment. But No, they do that still. They do? Yeah, okay. they do that yeah. still. And I, I, I have no problem with that. 
if they're saying, because it'll say in, in theaters now, mm-hmm. right? And they'll say, so it's in theaters and you can watch it at home. I just, I want, okay, here's the thing. I don't have a problem with that if you want to have it at home. And I totally get what you're saying. I do. Because, yes, my daughter likes to go. <laughs> we have to go to Tinseltown because that's where she likes the nachos. Okay. Everybody else has crab nachos, according to her. So, yes, we have to buy all the candy, all the crap. And it costs a ton of money. Yes. What I'm saying is have them come out both. But you're saying no because it costs too much money. Well, it's also it, it's the huge pushback in Hollywood. Right. So the independents and the independent, but they're still, but they are doing it. They are doing their independents. They're not the major studio films. So your major studio stuff, like for example, Ready Player One, will never do that because it's a major player, major studio, and they're forcing people to go and see it in the theaters because that's how they do. Now, a Quiet Place, like I mentioned, with then a Quiet wait. Place. Then wait till it comes on video. Why should we? Video. Sorry. <laughs> I'm showing my... Times change. And I think the theaters are headed to a huge confrontation as to what the, the future of cinema is going to be. Okay, so... And I think you're looking within 10 years, you're going to start seeing lots of theaters closing. I, how are you feeling about... I, did you care a shit about Blockbuster closing? Because I did not. I actually did. Okay, See, you did. I, I am a big fan of... I love Netflix. There's a quality of like when you would get a Blu-ray that you can get when you can't see something over streaming. So I'm always like getting the best quality of something I can watch. Dude, I have tons. And so I would grab the Blu-ray and you know, I had the, you know, I think it, you can rent out, what was it, before they closed down 10 movies at a time or right. something like that. Yeah. I had that card and Me I too. was there. I was like on my way home from work. I'm like, okay, what am I getting? Me too. Um, so yeah, I, I was... To a degree, yes. And if I really like something enough, I will go out and actually get the Blu-ray for it or the 4K Blu-ray because I want the best quality of that that I can see. But the best quality of seeing a movie you don't think is seeing in a huge screen? That's perk uh, the many Depends on what it is. Okay. I, I've, I've, as much as I love going to the theater, I have started to hate being around the people in the theater. That's because the people. You can't okay, I can't time. escape the people. I but can't tell them they can't get tickets. I can only go to one or two 10 a.m. showings. But have you been to a theater where the, where the audience is awesome? Uh, oh, plenty of times. Okay, well then. But that was a while ago. No, not me. I mean, recently. It, it has more recently. You just talked about the fact that everybody was quiet in that movie theater. Yeah, you want to know how my first 20 minutes began? Was with two kids running up and down the aisles uh, moving every single recliner up and back, up and back, up and back, up and back, while their mother went out to go get food. Tell them to stop. Mm. Mm. I am not somebody else's babysitter. But you will stand up and tell people. I will stand up and tell the parent. But by the time the parent came back, the movie was starting. Here's the thing. But I've just, I've had a much more enjoyable experience over the last couple of years watching a film in the heart of my home than I have actually in the theater, unless it's an empty theater or a 10 a.m. showing because it feels like the magic of going to the cinema lately has been fading dramatically for me. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I escaped to the movie theater. I don't want to be in my house watching movies. I escaped to the movie theater, and I have since I was a kid. So the thought of... The future with no movie theaters, 
like the future of no independent bookstores or no bookstores or no blockbusters or no record stores. No, I mean, this is what you're moving toward. You're moving toward the fact that we don't have any record stores anymore. We don't have, I mean, we have one here in Rochester. We have but like 10 here. But you know what I'm saying. Here's the the big record stores. I think what's going to happen. But we're not going to have any it, independent bookstores. We're not going to have any. All I think this what's going to happen is you're going to get the crap is going to go away and things are going to become more in a curated format. You're not going to have 12 screens showing whatever, drawing whoever. You're going to have four or five screens, not as many showings. That sucks. Not necessarily. You're it, the, I mean, but you just talked about the fact that you wanted to see a movie and they kept coming up with screens and, and you want to see it. That's because I'm a movie hound. Right. I'll just keep watching stuff and watching stuff. But you know what? Again, if I could have watched A Quiet Place at home, I would have watched it at home. Oh my God. I would have had a much more enjoyable experience watching that film. I think at the end of the day, what it comes down <clears> to <throat> is that him and he and I, we just like movies. We don't care where we watch them as long as we can watch them. And I do appreciate the aesthetic of being in a theater and the whole communal experience. But for me personally, I don't like distraction. I don't like people chewing on things in front of me or around me. I just like I spend five minutes finding my perfect spot in a the theater before I sit down. So that's how crazy I am. I I'm find not it sure my, how you started that. That's my that. sweet spot. But I still do. So I understand the whole wanting to be in a theater and being in that environment. But just because I like being in a movie theater does not mean that I do not love film because I love film my entire life. Well, what I'm saying is, yes, I enjoy watching movies at home. But I also love the experience of going to the theater. Mm. What about if they decide, you know what, fuck it. We're not going to have people go to theater to watch theater. We're just going to film it and you guys can watch it at home. So nobody really has to go to the theater to see theater because I don't want to hear this person, this person talking during the show. So they're going to shut down all the playhouses and you guys can watch it at home. That's where it's do you heading. care? That's where it's heading. Yeah, but how do you feel about that? It's upsetting. I mean, when Blockbuster closed, I felt a tear rolled on my face because <laughs> Blockbuster was the place I went to talk about movies with people. I could talk to the cashier and the clerks about these movies. When they but, closed, I said, this is sad. When Walden Books closed in the mall, I was sad because but they, this is what knew, you're they knew what they were talking about at Walden. At Barnes & Noble, they're like clueless drones and they don't know what they're talking about. Like very few people there do know books but that's what you're moving toward i it's sad to say but it's yeah it's happening that's sad. it's sad it is it's sad to say but that's the way it is i mean i don't know i'm gonna be i mean i have both those... sides i'm a filmmaker so I, I appreciate both sides of that coin but at the same time i don't like rude moviegoers they drive me nuts oh my God, and, and i can't enjoy a movie when i have people talking behind me so. what about people going to see your Something on stage. What if I don't want to go to see your show? People have more respect show. for stage shows than they do for cinema shows. Oh, it's like the people really? are there. That's people bullshit. Are on stage and they're actually, that is bullshit. They sometimes have more respect for live acting versus cinema acting. I can get into a whole different thing, but it's hard. This is uh, both sides. Very impassioned. I I mean, my heart hurts the fact that you guys are just like, well, if the, if you know, if movie theaters go away, they go away. I understand. What no, you're I, did, I didn't say they're going to all go away. I said they're still <laughs> going to be there in a format. But they're going to go away. If you no, guys I, I keep if, wanting to watch stuff at home, they're going to go away. If Hollywood continues to fight innovation mm-hmm. like they have in the last five years, they have been fighting hard against what Netflix and Amazon are doing. If they continue to fight what they are going to do, you will be seeing the death of cinema. 
They need to embrace what's happening. They need to embrace the things such as MoviePass, which are completely changing the way people are seeing theaters and seeing films right now. To be able to go on and see it for as little, I mean, if they dropped it down to what, $7.99 a month right now? If you, you can get it for a year and well, it works out to sucks. seven. I have a it went from nine ninety nine to eight ninety nine to seven. Cancel? No. No. What they, did you they just keep trying to get more people in? Mm-hmm. And MoviePass just bought MoviePhone. And here's the thing. Guess who the CEO of MoviePass is? The same guy who started up Netflix, Mitch this, Lowe. This man is a brilliant guy. He's a, he's a guy who, who is an innovator. He, he's trying to push people to think differently. And I think if the theaters can get on board with what he is doing, they can change the future of what's going to happen to theater. Because if they don't, the prices of theater are going to drive people away and they will not be coming back. Because so, we are living in a point where, you know, what do you, what do you want to spend your $15 on? You know, eventually in, in two years, it's going to be, you're going to really want to spend $20 to go see a film. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to spend $20 twice a month to go see a film? You're going to do it four times to go see a films that you want to go see. I have, but I realized okay. that I, I, now, now taking the, the, take the average person who's, who's struggling to make it week to week to struggling to pay their groceries. Here's the thing. That all of a sudden you're now pricing a $20 film that in a couple months is going to be on a streaming service. You're going to tell them, well, you know what? I can wait nine months and I can see that on my streaming service for eight ninety nine a month instead of blowing 20 bucks. But I was one of those dumb people. That Not made, dumb, like, just passions. I made like $16,000 one year in Chicago and I'd rather go see a movie than eat. Mm. Which my, is ridiculous. My, my, no. my senior year of high school, I, I was... But you're I, right. I, I never had enough money. But my senior year of high school, it was... I. I Total up, it was about eighty movies I had seen in the theaters, but and that right. was at like four dollars a piece. But now it's like I know what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I have a movie. I have a family now, so we can't do things like that. I can't not feed my kids yeah. so that we can go to the movies. But I want to share that time with my kids too. I want to bring them with me, know, me and too. share in that experience. But when I'm looking at it and looking and say, "Man, I'm not going to lay down fifty to eighty dollars to go and spend time at the theater when." It's interesting that the Netflix guy is the movie pass guy because he wants people to be able to go see movies in the theater. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yet well, it's yeah. interesting. Because he's he's got more stuff up his sleeve that he's trying to change. But, you know, he changed the way we think about streaming media. I mean, he it wanted, used to be, you know, you wanted to watch something at home. You had to pay iTunes two ninety nine to watch something. And to change that over to a whole subscription model of saying, hey, you know, I, I stand by what Netflix is. Netflix is now the blockbuster. Well, he wanted blockbuster, didn't he? Didn't he say that he went to blockbuster and they said no? Like blockbuster was offered Netflix and they said nope, well, we don't want that. Because blockbuster even had a streaming option for a while. Yeah, after they turned him down and he started making money. So do you think that a writer is only a writer if they've been published? No. Okay. Um, Where'd that come from? <laughs> Because I I was thinking that I was thinking about our earlier conversation that was uh, not on the air about the fact that if I just had people sit on a stage and read my play, that would be enough for me. I don't I'm not sitting around thinking about my play as something that I want to win. Tony, Tony. I think it depends on where you want and what you want out of it. 
I mean, if that's your goal, that you just want to have somebody read it on stage, then that's your goal. And you've, if you reach it, you reach it. But if your goal to say to somebody else is like, I'm not going to stop until this is on Broadway, more power to them. I mean, let them keep going. Let them keep chasing that dream. Because along that way comes a lot of failure along with it to get to that point. You learn. But I don't value that person any more than the person who says, I achieved my goal of getting it on stage and getting it read. I just, the thought that in 20 years, theaters will be not around is like the death of me. Like, I I mean. They will be drastically changed from what we view them as today. There is no way they're going to, you're not going to have, I mean, what do we have? Probably going to go home and cry after this podcast. We have one in almost every city or every town around here. And I would probably suspect that around here in 10, 15 years, maybe three. There was a big deal at the Dryden, I mean, in a couple other theaters about switching from film to digital. I mean, my friend Spencer said that there was a big, you know, pushback against the conversion to digital projectors over film. And some theaters around here had the digital projectors, but not all of them. So that transition was pretty difficult. But I have to talk to him more about that. Okay. Well, I don't. So we've had an interesting spirited stew. It is spirited. Um, <laughs> it's not like I don't want you guys to get your get your film made. It's not that I don't want that. I know where you're coming from. I get it. I do. It's just you like the aesthetic of being in a theater. You that's your home, and I I get that, and I have that same feeling. But at the end of the day, I want my film seen. I want your film seen too. It doesn't matter how it's seen. And I just want, it's really hard to sell. And so if Amazon or Netflix says, hey, we want to give you money for your film, I'm going to say, sure. Because at least I know someone will come across it at one point. Someone will accidentally find it or be bored that, well, this is from someone from Rochester. Let me watch it. That's why I watched Cherry Crush, which I should have seen a long time ago, but I didn't want to. And I said, oh, it's on Netflix. Let me just watch it. Would you be super excited if Amazon bought your movie or Netflix bought your movie and they put it on there? I would be. That would be like, wow, I'm now on every screen in the country. If someone chooses to watch it in California, they can watch it. And I won't have to worry about them going to a theater. They can watch it at home no matter what time. It's just the end game for me is just being seen. Right. Does it matter if it's on the big screen? At this point in my life, not really anymore, no. I mean, gone through what I've gone through and seeing innovation, So if you win an Emmy versus winning an Oscar, it doesn't matter to you? Not really. Okay. But Oscar is my end game. I rest too. my case. Let's move on. No, I, I'm not going <laughs> to let you rest your case because to me, the the Spielberg quote at the heart of it was not about the Oscars. It wasn't about the Oscars though. It was not. For me, the parts that hit home was the devaluing of the... Smaller studios. The transition of where we are going. Mm, I think we should listen to it again. Mm, later. Seriously. Because I don't think that's what he was saying. Make me angry. Okay, we'll listen to it one more time, and then we're going to move on. Okay. Really damaged cinema, though, do you, in, in a few years? If it continues... Well, no, I'm just saying that fewer and fewer filmmakers are going to struggle to raise money uh, or, or to, in order to compete in Sundance and possibly get one of the specialty labels to release their films theatrically, publicly. And more of them are going to let the, the SVOD uh, businesses uh, finance their films maybe with the promise of a slight one-week you know, 
theatrical window to qualify them for awards as, as a movie. But in fact, once you commit to a television format, you're a TV movie. You, you, you certainly, if, if it's a good show, deserve an Emmy, but not an Oscar. So they shouldn't be nominated for an Oscar? I don't believe that films that are just get, give, are given token qualifications in a couple of theaters for less than a week should, be, should qualify for, for the Academy Award nomination. So if you finish, if you focus on the latter third of that, yeah, he's talking about the Oscar stuff. My focus is on the beginning of it. It's the devaluing of the filmmakers and struggling to make money and settling on the studios that are offering them a chance to make their film. I think he was trying to say that they're struggling, they're settling and saying that somebody's going to put it up for a promise of putting it up for a week to get them considered considered for the Oscars. And he doesn't believe that that should be possible. I I don't think he's... A lot of films I disagree do at the heart of that statement. A lot of films do that. And also the whole thing about Sundance, which I'm going to get into in a little bit, not a whole lot. But Sundance to me has now changed. Robert Redford's original vision of Sundance mm-hmm. has slowly become a commercial film festival. Nowadays, if you don't have a name in your film at Sundance, you're not going to get it selected. Period. Before it was the story, which is why we had Clerks was allowed in, and why Amarachi and these films were picked because they had a story. Now it's oh, you have so and so in your film, and this is a name. Fine. Now it's like a ski resort vacation for people. Sundance used to be a spot where the films that were on the verge of being cool and being great that is where they got picked up by Miramax. That's where they got picked up by Lionsgate and became mainstream after that. Right. Because you can say, oh, yeah, they won the, the special uh, award at Sundance and moved on. I will say Randory. that I, I did ex- I'm not going to say what it is. I'm just going to say I did experience something like that a couple of years ago with a film festival in Rochester. Everyone already knows that about her and her selections and how uh, they No, pick. I am saying that there was a lot of movies that were selected that were about story and there was one that was selected that had nothing to do with the film festival whatsoever. And it was selected because of the actors that were in it. And so that, uh, so I have seen it. I, I, I see what you're saying. I see where you go. I, I do see what you're saying with that. So, so hopping off the stew into our, we're going to talk about the movie of the week. We are going to get letters for that one. Thanks a lot, Tony. I appreciate that. I like letters. I like Don't reading them. Please send them. <laughs> I still stand by my feelings and as do I. what's happening. Me too. So um, this week. <laughs> okay, go ahead. This week we saw the. This week in the special post episode, Valerie takes on both Tony and Ron and body slams them. Oh, God. So we watched The Pursuit of Happiness, which is uh, Will Smith. Um, it was directed by Gabriel, Gabriel Moussian. Mm-hmm. You know, sorry. My brain wow. is still thinking about what we just talked about. Um, it's written by Stephen Conrad based on the best-selling memoir by Chris Gardner and Quincy Trope. Um, I think we have a clip for that, and we will talk more about it in a minute. Which clip do you want? The uh, speech? I think the speech will be good. You got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you, you can't do it. You want something, go get it, period. 
not sure why that was so low. I'll fix that. In this okay, one. this is after he just tells his son, I'm just letting everybody know, that they're playing basketball and his son misses a shot, says something like, I want to play, what do you want to do? I want to play basketball. I wasn't, and Will says, Will Smith, I wasn't good at basketball, so you probably won't be good at basketball, so I wouldn't focus on basketball. And the kid's face just drops. Makes absolutely no sense at all at once. He's like, don't listen to me. Well, that ties into our stew. But, is, um, <laughs> I mean, it was, oh my God. Yeah, but see, okay, so Pursuit of Happiness is about a man named Chris Gardner who was forced to live on the streets with his son. He's homeless. He's selling these medical devices. And he comes across a chance to be an intern, unpaid intern, at a stockbroking firm. So he has six months to basically show his mettle, show his abilities, and wow his supervisors to get the paying gig. Meanwhile, he's living on the streets with his son and struggling to pay for food on the table for him and his son and just survive in general. Uh, Why did he decide to become a stockbroker? The money. No, why did he decide? What made him decide? Val. Some jerk. Drove up to him in a? Nice car. I don't know what kind. Ferrari. A Ferrari? Yeah. So some asshole drives up in a Ferrari, and he looks at the Ferrari, and he's like, oh, my gosh, that's the kind of life I want. What do you do for a living? I'm a stockbroker. I'm going to be a stockbroker, too. And then he decides to do an internship that pays absolutely nothing and has living on the streets. I don't know how he's paying anything. I know he's he's selling these devices. We have to say, though, that he bought the devices beforehand. Right. Yeah, so it's not like he could he couldn't stop selling them. He had to at least sell the ones he had or he wouldn't have made the money back. So that yeah. was one thing. Mm. But still, my God. Common sense. Get, get another. Get a job. So what are your thoughts? <laughs> My thoughts were I thought it was insane that he all he just he saw this car and all at once he wants that life. It was a pursuit of happiness. No, it was a pursuit of the fact that he wanted oh look at the hot car and look at the guy how he's dressed and that's how that's the life I kinda that's the life I want. How about I just want to be able to pay my bills. When I was broke in Chicago, I didn't give a shit about cars. I just want to be able to pay my bills, be able to eat, and have a roof over my head. That is all I cared about. All at once, all at once, he, he wants to be a stockbroker and he wants to have a hot car. I mean, to me, and then to do the internship, I don't know. I, I, I thought that the pursuit of happiness was odd because it wasn't the pursuit of happiness. It was the pursuit of wealth, which does not equal happiness. True. You should yeah. read the book, though. The book's better. They took a lot of creative licenses with the movie, but uh, like one of them is that the internship was paid, so he was getting paid during the. Well, that would have been better. It would have been, but why did they not do that? There's no conflict in that. There's no uh, struggle in that. No, it would have made hell of a lot more sense. Yeah. Do you have thoughts, Ron? (laughs) You're being quiet. I'm Uh, I'm fired up today. She is fired up. Special. Um. I didn't have it. It's been a busy week for me, so I didn't have. I'm going back from memory on this film, but yeah, I think the the instigator on it was like he saw a life that could be better, whether it be a car or by wealth, and so he started chasing after that. But isn't there a point in this film where he realizes that 
that's not what he's chasing after. He's basically changing his view of people constantly telling him he's not good enough or he can't do that. And it started off with basically his his wife wasn't it his, his wife, wife yeah. telling him, you know, why are you selling these things? You know, you're you can do better than that. Um, you know, he walks by the the sign of the daycare, and that's where we get the the title of the sign or of the movie of the movie, and he points out that it's. So there's no why in happiness. And he's talking to a guy who doesn't understand a thing he's saying. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I, th- I think from what I remember, I've, I felt like there was more of a change in him over the course of the movie that it wasn't so much a financial chase after a while. I agree with that. When? That, that does not stick out to me that it was only pursuit of a financial well, he wanted a better life for his son. Yeah, for sure. That was the external factor. But I think your same thing about his self-worth was a big deal and changing. Like he, I think one scene that sticks out to me the most is him giving his last dollar away to the stockbroker who needed the money. So needed something like pay for a cab. He gave a dollar, his only dollar. And so go ahead. I watched this with Zoe, who's eight years old. And uh, she says pretty things, pretty like, you know, matter of fact, like, and she said, why didn't she? Why didn't he say, "Look, this is my last five dollars"? Why doesn't he tell them, "Look, pride"? Yeah, she doesn't get that. Okay, right. and and I could not explain that to her because it sounds ignorant to me. If I had six dollars in my wallet and I have a child that needs to eat, and some guy needs five dollars, and he asked me for five dollars, I'm going to say, "Hey." I'm sorry I don't have it. I wouldn't give it to him because I'm giving you money that I could feed my child with just because I want to say, oh, yeah, I do have the money. Here's the money. I mean, I was extremely frustrated. I walked. I watched the movie, and yes, I agree. Yes, you hit bottom. I mean, he's like laying down toilet paper so that they can spend the night in a bathroom. Public bathroom. At, not even just a public bathroom. I mean, they were in. They were down. They were in the uh, subway. subway. Um, that's the lowest part. I felt like that was the lowest part of the I movie. I think so. Um, the, the interesting point is, it's not. It's not even. You know, this isn't a fictional character. This is based on a real man, a real person. Okay. This is his story. Okay. And he gave. So but, these were the decisions he made. Well, but the but the film decided to make him not get paid for his internship, which was weird. And I agree. With that. It could I'm have been sorry. something that was left on the cutting room floor too. Why would they do that though? Because it made no sense. I'm just anybody saying it's who's a decision. Gonna, anybody who's, like that. Would you day. do that? Will Smith made that decision. He's the executive producer. He Will Smith Will Smith, made Smith that championed that. this whole story. So he's the one who hired a director. So okay, if you guys did not have a job and you're trying to pay for your kids and you had nobody else, your wife left you, would you pay, Would you get a job, would you get an internship that actually paid you nothing? Probably not, no. 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 Why? It's because I don't get paid for nothing. Right. Wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you don't get paid in exposure, we get paid in yeah. bills. No, you because it's the way I I live and the way I've grown up that I don't. That's not the way I I handle things. But 
But you also have a child you to provide for. I think oh. his pride was getting in the way a lot too. Some people make stupid which decisions. We never, which they never addressed. They never addressed the pride thing. I understand that he, you know, I never said anything to Zoe. So if she hears this, then she's going to realize that, gosh, mommy, you didn't say anything things during the show because I kept saying, she kept saying, this is sad, this is sad. I kept saying, honey, you got to keep watching because you got to see how you can get to the bottom. But if you keep working, you can get back to the top. You know, you have to, you can't give up. You have to keep working. And I understand that it gets the low of low, but that doesn't mean you give up. That was my whole thing during the whole thing. But, but I just. But if, if he saw it as that was his way to improve his life and that the way to getting there was taking an unpaid internship. To be a stockbroker. Half these guys throw themselves out windows. Okay. But for him, that was him viewing that was his way of improving. Because his life. the guy came up with a hot car. Now, if. Who, well, what comes along with hot car? Money. I mean, if, if he thinks that money is the and it's yeah, we can the pursuit view it, of happiness. We can view it as a failed way of looking at it. But again, everybody has their own life to live. Money everybody. ends with a Y. Happiness. Happy with a Y. I just thought that was very interesting. I just, I don't know. I felt like um, it would have been better if he would have been paid, made, would have made a hell of a more sense. Um, I did like that he worked very hard on fixing the machine uh, and selling the machine, uh, that he didn't give up on, you know, the uh, the original uh, commitment that he made by buying these machines and searching them down uh, when people were stealing them and fixing them when they were broken instead of just like, crap, they're broken. You know what I mean? He did work on fixing them and selling them. That showed some, uh, I don't know, I, 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 I admired that. The stockbroker thing drove me insane. Well, when here, he was let, walking, let me let me let me take that that whole situation right here for a second, and so take the take this into the perspective of wanting to pursue being a film director. Okay, say why I was going through school, I got married, had a child, and we're accumulating all this debt. Yeah, like I said, you know, we're walking out with a hundred thousand dollars in debt. That internship that I talked about, most of those are unpaid internships. Almost everything that you walk out of college now are unpaid internships. So if I had chosen to go down that road, I'd have a child, a wife, and I'd be in an unpaid internship trying to pursue a career of being a director. So do you make the choice and say, I can't do the unpaid internship because I need to support that or do you find another way to support it i don't know i mean do you do you say that whether he wants to be a stockbroker or not i don't i i think if that was what he chose Mm -hmm. there's a scene where he's walking through um he's following somebody i think he's going back to meet him for the first time 
And he's walking through and he's seeing all these people like running all over the place and these guys shouting and all this stuff. And I kept thinking, oh, he's thinking this is not the life I want. And that's not what I was thinking. I, I guess I um, maybe this is a woman man thing. I don't know. To me, um, what, I, I did, I what would you do if you were faced with an opportunity to pursue whatever you wanted? You had the opportunity placed in for you said, here you go. You can have that life, but you got to go through six months of not getting paid. Do I have a kid or not? You have a kid and everything. Sorry. But at the end of six months, you could have the whole. No, he was not promised that. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm posing a question here. You are promised would, that. Would you drop the promise of what's at the end? And not knowing where I'm going to pay, how I'm going to pay the bills, how I'm going to do this or do that, and how I'm going to feed my child? No, I'm not going to do it. I just, because, because I'm not going to let my kid go hungry. I'm not going to let them go through all this shit so that I can pursue something that, you know, if I wanted to do that, then I should have done it before. I don't know. I guess I feel like, to me... There has to be money to be able to... What if your kid gets sick? He's lucky this kid did not break his leg or get ill or... I mean, this was like this kid never got sick. He didn't go... He, they never struggled about the fact that he was growing out of his pants or his shoes. I mean, this was six months and I'm having... I'm, my kids are growing all the time. And how did he pay for shoes or jeans or any of this stuff? They didn't show any of that. And... He paid for, I mean, I, I don't know, a lot of it w- didn't make sense to me. And for me, it, I guess I felt like I wouldn't have made those decisions because at the point, I mean, do I regret some of the decisions? I Do I regret? Regret? I can't regret because I did what I had to do. When I graduated college, I wanted to make film trailers, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to do all this stuff and I was going to go off and be this actually documentary filmmaker but then guess what I got hit by a car and then I had surgery right after I graduated so I didn't have any insurance and I ended up taking four jobs because I had to pay because and that led me into the career of account management that's not what I wanted to do but that's what I had to do to pay the job to pay the career but get I mean would I change anything because of the life I have now, no. Do I look back and go, gosh, it would be nice to have been able to do this or that? Sure, sometimes. But I don't know. That's the choice I made. I had to pay the bills. Um, and now we have children and you have to pay the bills. You have to be able to do that. And if something happened to Jason or or whatever, and it was me, and then they were saying, oh, here, you could do this. You could be a playwright, and in six months, your play is going to be on stage, and you're going to have people buying tickets to go see it. But for six months, you're not going to be paid. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Knowing how much I want that, I would not do that looking at my two blonde girls, and there's no way. 
that's the life of a playwright in general. We write and don't get paid anything until... Yeah, but how are you paying? I mean, but... They do a lot of weird jobs. I mean, I do a lot of weird jobs. But too. he didn't. Just, he just, did not do a job. His creative license. Yeah, I know. It, that stuck out to me a lot, too. So yeah. obviously that's a failure in the filmmaking to, yeah. to leave that gap like yeah. that out. I totally respect that part. I respect the fact that you want to do that and you take all these weirdo jobs that you would normally do. I mean, I was delivering. That's the art. For you. I That's was what we do. delivering newspapers mm-hmm. and stuff like that um, to get money to do whatever to, to eat. But when, but they didn't show that. In this the movie. rationale behind his whole just working that job all day and then coming home and sitting with his kid is endearing, but it's like it's not reality, especially this day and age. But even so in the 80s, it was still difficult to pull off that whole thing. And the book explains things more in detail about how, but I guess Will Smith didn't want that. He didn't think that was dramatic enough or it was too much to put on. And that's, that was the, the ongoing argument is that he looks to be selfish and just into himself and yeah, not realistic. But yeah. So would you watch it again? Recommend it? Rainy Day? Um, no. I mean, I watched it again because I we had to watch it again. Um, but I watched this a long time ago and I never really had a desire to watch it again. I um, I think there are better movies that portray what you're trying to get across probably rather than this movie only because it was so unrealistic to me. Okay. Ron? I'm going to abstain from this one. Okay. Although I did think that uh, Jaden did a pretty good job. First film role. So. I know. He did a pretty darn good job. And when he put his hands on his father's face and said, you're a good papa, I... Lost it. I did. I did. I did. I did. Because kids don't know. And so he kept saying stuff like kids that. Kids do know. They do and they don't. At five years old, I just kind of whatever would have ever... I mean, I didn't know some of the stuff was going on when I was a kid. You know what I mean? You don't really know if you're making a lot of money, if your parents are making not as much money, how they're taking care of you. Until years later. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up. It does. Movie of the week. (laughs) Pursuit of happiness. All right. And uh, so next week, topic. Oh, the topic is going to be how film tackles mental illness uh how they go about it um there's a stigma out there we all know that there is one and whether film adds to it or helps with it um there are some movies that we are going to choose from because i couldn't make a decision i can't even find this one here please give me a here we go. Okay, so um, next week we're either going to be watching or just discussing Call Me Crazy, Take Shelter, or Mad to be Normal. Awesome. It'll be a surprise. It's going to be a roulette. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Russian, but it'll be a roulette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what's on your radar and what's on your queue this week, Valerie? Uh, I've been trying some stuff. And I've been losing interest very quickly. It's my I am having issues lately. I don't know. So um, on Netflix, Retribution is on there. I'm not sure yet. I started watching it. I still I watched Re- Requiem for about mm, five minutes. I'm not quite sure yet about that one. I maybe it was the night I was having. Landline on Amazon looks good. 
Uh, and I really want to see a quiet place. Cool. Well, hopefully you like a quiet place louder than you like game night. Apparently my recommendations <laughs> I, suck. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think I, I think I would love a quiet place. How about you, Anthony? What's up your, for you? Let's see here. So I have WrestleMania 34 tonight. So I'll be talking about that, I think, next week. Just a little bit or a lot. I don't know. We'll see how excited I am about it. Um, <laughs> I watched the Amateurs or the Moguls, which came out in 2005. That's a comedy film with Jeff Bridges and a whole bunch of other fun favorites like Will Fickner, uh, Joel Pantelano. I can't pronounce his last name. It's in my life. Ted Danson, Glenn Heatley, and Lauren Graham. It's basically about a group of ragtag group of friends in a small town who are bored and they want to make something bigger than themselves. So they make an amateur porn film and it's about how they go about making it. It's, WrestleMania and porn. It's not a real porn film, but it's a buddy comedy and it's tasteful. Just kidding. But it's, it's a good film. I liked it a lot. So uh, I'll probably watch it again and have a review up written for that one. And Studio C is a new thing I've gotten into. It's on YouTube. It's a sketch comedy show like SNL. But it's on BYU TV. And it's actually good enough where Marnie can watch it with me and there's no swearing or anything in it. And my good friends at BYU recommended it to me and voila. It's funny. Very left out loud funny. And it's family friendly. So there you go, Val. Family friendly. You want it family friendly. And this is SNL, but family friendly. <laughs> and no swearing, no adult situation. Just all funny. But does Marnie even know? Marnie finds Scott Sterling, his videos, funny. He's a guy who gets hit repeatedly with balls. So they recently branched out into him getting hit with a volleyball, but he's been kicked with a soccer ball repeatedly. His whole thing is being kicked, and his team keep picking him up and standing him and propping him in the right way so he can block the net. And he's pretty much concussed by the end of the whole thing, but he still wins the game. Because physical violence is always funny. Universal funny. So It is. <laughs> or falling down. I like yeah. people that fall down. Falling down. But yeah. Hitting their heads on things. Not the movie, Falling Down, which is depressing. Michael Douglas, oh, Falling yeah. Down, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. Anyway. But that's my cue, that's my likes, and I'm looking forward to WrestleMania. Like I, I can tell because it's so, huge. It's like, like bolded and then like... Yeah, it takes up about a third of the page. A third then. of the page. <laughs> WrestleMania 34. I was like, okay, he's excited. It's been a long time since I watched WrestleMania. It's been a never since long. I've watched WrestleMania. It tinged better. My my grandmother used to be really in it. She was from Scotland, oh. and she fully believed it was like yeah. everything was real, and like she was into it. And I was like eight years old, nine years old when I think when she passed, and so like, she would always just be like, "Oh!" And oh she's like God. invested into Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's like it, the world stopped when wrestling came on, and so she took me when they came here. Um, so I like to see the Ultimate Warrior yes. when they came here. And oh my gosh, to watch her. I, like, I thought she was going to jump out of her chair and get into the ring and start beating <laughs> them up. She's a little Scottish lady, you know, like four foot nothing. Um, oh my gosh. But my yeah, fr- that's how long it's been for me. It's been like nine or 10 years old. Since I I've- haven't. In eighth grade, my friend Chris Ryan, Chris Adcox now, she loved wrestling. I mean, I just remember kept thinking. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so the Cindy Lauper music video to Goonies, it was full of all the WrestleMania or all the wrestling characters at the time. 
That's true. Wrestling is entertaining. It's like a male soap opera. It'd be female too, but it's more engaging and athleticism I, and just it takes it takes a whole year to get to this point, WrestleMania. So I'm kind of excited. I think it's you're either a wrestle person or you're not. Wrestling I, think I, can person. You, I can't do boxing. I, can either. Hooked. I can't do boxing anymore. I used to watch Ali, but not anymore. I'm not really any. I can get you hooked on wrestling. I no, you, you can't. I can. I can. No, you can't. I can. I guarantee you. I can. Right. Here we I go. Will. You can't. Here we I go. Will. Anthony's going to get uh, me, Valerie hooked by the end of this year. My God. Okay. It's I will try. Happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> I will watch. Okay. So starting tomorrow night. No. For three months. I want you to watch. No way. No. Monday and Tuesday nights. I would rather. You no. got to try for me. No. Come on. Open mind. To. Oh my gosh. I don't want to. Okay. She said no, but I offered to help her. So I don't need help watching wrestling. Starting tomorrow night is the beginning of a whole new season. So if you watch tomorrow night, you can catch up and you can start all over again. It I makes, love that they have seasons. It makes well, me I'm cringe. Because that's when I season new season starts. Yeah. This is the end of season. So because the is the end of everything old and watching mm-hmm. something new. You gotta try. For so me. on my uh, my watch list this week, uh, watch the season premiere of Legion. I was really happy that it came back. That that series is such a trip. <laughs> um, have you caught any of those yet? No. No. I will be soon. I barely am yeah. catching anything. That's that's an interesting take on superheroes because they're not really super, <laughs> and they're not really heroes. Okay. It, it it's a mind trip. I mean, you got to just kind of like go into season one very slowly and very open minded because anything it's just out there. Um, wrapped up. Counterpart, I'm going to probably be talking about that next week. Just in time, or do you have to pay for your subscription? Missed it by one day. Oh. Yeah. Shame. That sucks. Did you pay for it? It wasn't very long. Did you pay? Yeah, I've got like, uh, (laughs) so like it's on a monthly subscription, so it rolled over. So now it's like good until May. So it's like I have access (laughs) to all of Star's movies for the next month. So I'll probably figure out like what stuff on there I can watch. Mm -hmm. But um, wow, good show. I really Glad I was able to catch it when I did. Um, happened lettered season finales this week. Looking forward to that. Uh, I had talked about Alienist before. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all the episodes are on Netflix. Okay. So you can cool. now catch that up on that. That was fast. Yeah, they have a, a deal. It, I, it's through TNT or AMC or one of the two that as soon as their season ends, they automatically go up and get uploaded to uh, Netflix for putting them out which I think is pretty cool. So um, on my radar, I might go see Rampage this week just because for the fun of it. Um, Probably not. I'm still looking for Isle of Dogs. I can't remember if it's coming out this week or next week here locally. I couldn't find it on the calendar, but I think it's this week. Remind me, Rampage. It's the stupid one with the rock Rock. and the gorilla and destroying the city and... Based okay. on a video game. I don't know, it just—it's based on a video game. I think so, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, an early video game, but I don't know. It, it's Donkey kind of up in the air. I've got so much stuff to do this week. I don't know if I'll end up getting out to either one of them. But there's that, and then on my queue is also a uh, Quiet Place score. It's by Marco uh, Beltramai, who also wrote the score for Logan. So. Forgot to say. Uh oh, she forgot Lo to say something. Santo. I um, I'm gonna finish. Okay, so last night I was gonna talk about Atomic Blonde, mm-hmm. and, and Charlize. I, I fell asleep 
I'm sorry, people. I know. I'm tired. I fell asleep, but I will say that the music. That's a hard one to fall asleep to. I was really tired, people. Okay. The music is awesome. So listen to the soundtrack of uh, Tommy Blonde. I'm just going to say that. I like the movie a lot. I thought it was good. I um, it, it was to finish it. It was everything that Red Sparrow wasn't. I'll put it that way. Hmm. I can see that. Jason watched. How far How far did you get through it? Because there's some good twists at the end. Mm-mm. No, I think I watched till... Mm, I don't know. Half. She had different color hair. She went from blonde to something else. To brown. Okay. And that's why. <laughs> and that's kind of why I And she changed like, her hair color. <laughs> I know. I was really tired. But I really look forward to. I just kept saying, "Oh my god!" I have notes on it, but I kept saying, "Oh my gosh, this this song, this song, this song." So that's awesome. And they, uh, who's their co-star in that? Um, Professor X, um, the new Professor X, James James McAvoy. Oh, James McAvoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh! When she said he he has a bad Sinead O'Connor haircut, I thought that's really funny because it's based back in the day. So, see, it's it. It's not in terms of brutal brutality. It like it's one of those ones where like oh, she gets because all the music is back up. in the day. Yeah, it's set in the eighties. It's set at the time when the uh, the Berlin Wall was still up. Right. Okay, that's my question. It says it came down da 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 da, da and it says this is not that movie. And I know it's based off of a um, not a graphic novel. It's it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Okay. So what does that mean? This is not that story, meaning we're doing like a Man High Castle kind of thing where I can't remember what it, that's referencing. Like is it in the, the Nazis narration? actually one or I don't know. No, it's like on the screen. It says um the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall came down da 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 da. And then it says but this is not that movie. This is not that movie or that story. And so I don't know if they're saying it's not the story about the Berlin Wall falling down or it didn't come down. That's what I'm wondering. Mm, no, it did because the all the events in it were leading up to the the riots and stuff that were happening at the same time as the Berlin Wall getting ready to come down. Very confusing. So yeah. I think it was about it not it's not telling the story of the Berlin Wall coming down. Okay. I think I in, just, in that I just finished season one of Man in the High Castle, so I was in that. It's whole, not a it's not a dystopian future to my recollection. It's not like which I recommend. And I, could talk, I could talk about that later. But that that's one of the things that like is cool about the counterpart is it one of the setups for it is thirty years ago, the a door was opened up that basically split the two. Um, it's it basically made a copy of the same Earth, and so you have. A group of A of that progressed in certain way and group B that progressed the other way. And it's like what led them to all these different changes and how they're so different from each other. It's like sliding doors? To a degree. (laughs) Okay. But on a very espionage thriller level. I'm just happy. Sliding doors with Glenneth Prentrell. Paltrow. Goop. It's not just goop. Did you not like the movie? Sliding doors? Not really. Oh, my God. Did you? I haven't seen it yet. We need another woman on this show. 
Why? Just because we don't like a chick flick? No, I'm just saying I just need... You You guys have each other. I have nobody to be like, I've hey. seen the movie. I just didn't like it. Hmm. And that ends our wonderfully long <laughs> show. <laughs> I didn't growl this time. <laughs> she stormed I it almost instead. growled. Oh, Tony, where can we find you? I'm on Facebook and on Twitter at S-M-T-O-R-C-H-I-O. He's still on Facebook. Mrs. Vidmar? I... Mrs. Vidmar? <laughs> oh my goodness. Mrs. Jason Vidmar. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm Penny Lane 64 and I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And I am GF Media or GF Media CEO pretty much everywhere. Uh, we are Cultural Stew. You can find us at Cultural Stew Net on Twitter. At, dot net. Dot, no, not on Twitter. It's just Cultural Stew Net. Just kidding. I'm just joking. Sorry. You can find us at Cultural Stew Net or dot net. <laughs> I'm all screwed up. <laughs> there you go. And if you really need to get to us, don't. You know what? Just don't find us anywhere. You know, just type. <laughs> just type in Cultural Stew dot net to listen to this or to do Cultural it. Stew dot net goes to our website. At Cultural Stew Net is our Twitter handle, and you can find us on Facebook at Cultural Stew. There we go. Got it? <laughs> I, think cool. we got I just it. told people to listen to us when, how to listen to us when they're listening to us. This is what happens when we go really long in an episode. I think we all need more sugar in our body. All right. Later. Ciao. Ciao, bye. The intro and break music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazir, available through the Creative Commons license from Free Music Archive. The outgoing music is provided by Epidemic Sound. Please see our show notes for details on what the outgoing song is and who it is by. And also, as always, if you have a piece of music that you'd like us to play or consider playing, please contact us today. And I, and I tell myself, you'll be back like what you've heard? Want to continue to hear more? Please consider Patreon. What is Patreon, you ask? Patreon is a content creator support site, a way for people to support the things they love and allow creators to continue creating the content that they love. Please consider heading over to patreon.com slash gfmedia and becoming a Patreon supporter today. Spring is coming